Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello and good morning from a remarkably rainy, stormy San Francisco. It is pretty epic out there. Uh, for those of you in the area, you'll surely know what I'm talking about. But uh, let's go ahead and dive in. want to discuss a few points real quick. Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time ever, yes, this is episode three. Um, I think it's episode three in just as many days, actually. Not yet sure, as we've discussed before, whether we're going to do this daily or weekly or, frankly, irregularly, which I know will annoy everybody, so probably not. Um, also, still not yet totally sure whether we're going to do a format that uh, involves me essentially reading from articles that I also write or have written in the past that are still relevant, or this sort of organic live discussion. I have a feeling we're going to tend towards this. A, I think it's probably a bit more interesting for you guys, and B, it's certainly um, it's actually a lot easier for me too. So, right, let's just dive in then. There's a few things I wanted to discuss today. I was, uh, as usual, uh, inspired by a question on Quora, which reads, if autonomous cars take over, will people still be allowed to drive older model cars with no autonomy? And interestingly, this particular person <laughs> references the 1997 Mazda RX-7. Good call. Brilliant car. This guy knows his stuff. Um, well, the short answer is yes. Yes, people will absolutely still be allowed to drive older model cars. Um, I mean, you're still allowed to ride horses today, right? Seriously, that horse analogy is totally apt and totally on point and accurate. Um, look, this is not rocket science. Here's how it's going to work. Eventually, indeed, on public roads, beginning first of all with, for instance, the carpooling on freeways, and then eventually the additional uh, lanes on freeways, and then after that, um, local city streets and so on. Yes, little by little, autonomous cars will be slowly mandated and then rolled out through these different degrees of, of uh, road types. Um, until eventually, in roughly 50 to 70 years, perhaps a little sooner, um, full autonomy will be mandated almost everywhere in and around major urban cores. This does not mean that you're suddenly going to have your precious Mazda RX-7 taken away, or for that matter, your Integra Type R, or your Porsche 997.2. You're going to always be able to have these cars. The issue is simply going to be, where can you drive them? I mean, to give an analogy, in most places, you can't just take your car and drive it on any public beach, right? Uh, or on any sort of uh, national park hiking trail. Obviously, there are limitations where you can drive those cars. Similarly, there are going to be limitations where you can drive your old-fashioned, human-operated car. Um, and indeed, eventually, most public roads will not allow it. But that's all right, because guess what? We also can't take our horses on public roads, which, once upon a time, were not paved and indeed riding your horse through downtown San Francisco, say, was a perfectly normal thing to do. Now, um, you will absolutely be able to keep your car, but you will be 
restricted to where you can use it. For example, uh, your local track day. Indeed, I can see uh, uh, track uh, track usage go up tremendously as people uh, start to use um, human-driven cars strictly for sport, for fun, for uh, you know, for leisure activity. Um, so yeah, if you own a racetrack good you're about to make a lot more money and if you don't own a racetrack yet um maybe it's a good time to invest in one so now that that's put aside let's uh dive into something else which popped up uh let's see yesterday in my feed and i didn't have a chance to talk about it um two points one is okay let's just discuss the thing everyone's waiting for tesla tesla now has a bulletproof version uh, it is now the fastest armored car in the world. Um, yeah, this is pretty cool or ridiculous, depending on whether you live, uh, well, in some place versus another place. Use your imagination. Um, obviously, Tesla themselves are not producing this car. It turns out it was produced by a company called International Armoring Corporation. Good name, that. Um so as with most uh, ballistically modified cars, as they're called, um, this thing obviously gets really, really heavily beefed up, right? The body panels, the windows, everything. Now, ordinarily, uh, when you do this to a car, it makes it extremely heavy. Um, there's a reference here to uh, the personal Peugeot 205 GTI of some French businessman back in the 90s. Apparently, it took what was once upon a time a 2,000-pound car, so just one ton, right, this little tiny hatchback, and... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After all the armoring was all said and done, it added 50%, 50% to the weight of that original car. The final thing ended up weighing 3,000 pounds. Clearly, uh, nobody told them a thing about power-to-weight ratios because, uh, rather foolishly, they kept the stock motor, which was generating a rather miserable asthmatic 130 horsepower. So, yeah, that's not so good for moving 3,000 pounds. But it's all right because... Uh, even if you can't move anywhere, not to worry, the car will protect you from all sorts of bullet rounds. No need to go fast then was the logic, I guess. But this company, International Armoring Corporation, they uh, they disagreed. They said, look, you should be able to have your cake and eat it too. Uh, or in this case, your Tesla, you should be able to be perfectly safe, uh, totally bulletproofed, uh, and still be able to get from zero to 60 in under three seconds, because why not? Well, Indeed, why not? And so they've done it. Incredibly, uh, armoring this Tesla has added only 550 pounds of uh, additional weight, which is really astonishing, especially when you consider that the stock Tesla is, you know, because of all the added weight of the batteries, it's not a particularly featherweight car at all. And so it turns out that those 550 pounds of additional weight actually added just 11% on top of the weight of the original car. So the trick then was that they have done this using all sorts of synthetic, magical sort of fibers. Um, 
instead of the sort of more traditional method, which adds thousands of pounds of so-called ballistic steel to the car. And so in in this way, then, they've managed to accomplish the same end result um, while keeping weight really very nicely in check. So there you have it, then. If you want the world's fastest bulletproof vehicle, it is, in fact, the ballistic Tesla P100D, where you can now get from 0 to 60 in 2.4 seconds, and you'll arrive safe and sound, alive, in your bulletproof car. Right, so next up, finally, uh, for this morning anyway, let's discuss uh, something a little bit more uh, pedestrian, but still quite forward-thinking indeed. Uh, This is about Volvo, uh, which really has sort of jumped back into the limelight in the last, um, I guess the last three years, really, when they had this uh, pretty unexpected, uh, well, I was about to say takeover, but really it was just a huge influx of cash from the Chinese company Geely. Uh, or is it Geely? Good grief. This is going to turn into the, an, another sort of GIF versus JIF debate, isn't it? Uh, I do think it's Geely, and yes, I do think it is JIF. Um, yeah. So, uh, Volvo then, what are they doing? Well, first they made headlines, again, after that initial influx of cash by rolling out what was then and is still arguably easily one of the most spectacularly, mind-meltingly beautiful SUVs on the road today, the Volvo XC90, which has been since followed by its smaller cousin, the XC60, and of course its its sedan counterpart, the S90. Uh, These are really spectacular cars, but what really sets them apart was, um, well, besides their bleeding good looks, was their powertrains. Um, They have something pretty remarkable that Volvo calls, if I'm not mistaken, a twin-charge engine. It's a really, really tiny two-liter four-banger, which is both turboed and supercharged. Um, So at low RPMs, the supercharger works its magic because it's obviously belt-driven, doesn't uh, you know, so, so it works from way down low. And then as the RPMs climb and boost builds in the turbo, then the turbo takes over while disengaging the supercharger. Because as you might remember, superchargers take power to make power. Uh, they've got, for lack of a better word, sort of parasitic drag. So you want to disengage that um, when no longer necessary. This is all sort of a roundabout way of saying that Volvo have done a pretty remarkable job uh, with their newest generation of internal combustion motors. But Volvo have now said that this is the end of the line. They are through, uh, they are totally through with uh, standard internal combustion engines. They're just done with it. And henceforth, um, all motors for all Volvo uh, cars will be either uh, mild hybrid assistance, plug-in hybrids, or fully electric vehicles. Interestingly, as an aside, Volvo have said that diesels will be allowed to remain, which is somewhat surprising considering all the the uh, the negative buzz and the decisions of automakers elsewhere in the world, which have said, you know, that's it, we're done with diesel. Um, so, so this is pretty remarkable. So basically, what this means is that that um, this is it. This is the end of the road, <laughs> pun intended. Uh, sorry, uh, for standard internal combustion engines for Volvo. I mean, this is really, really neat. Um, apparently, it turns out that starting in 2019, well, I should say between 2019 and 2021, it looks like there's going to be five new uh, 
electric vehicles from the Volvo Group. Three specifically from Volvo itself, two from its sort of sporting uh, subdivision, Polestar. For those of you who don't know, Polestar is sort of the... Um, it is to Volvo what M is to BMW, AMG is to Mercedes. Um, so so that's really, really something special, really exciting indeed. Uh, this is really um, just another example of you know, automakers really saying, you know, enough is enough. Uh, first of all, uh, we've really kind of tapped out internal combustion engines as much as possible. Yes, putting aside Mazda's very interesting uh, sort of experimentation with their new diesel-esque gasoline, or if you prefer, petrol-powered motors, which are certainly interesting from an engineering perspective, but seem a bit backwards um, and don't make any sense, not to me anyway. Um, so really Volvo are doing a neat thing here by moving forward with these alternative energy plans. And of course, number two, um, I think it's a really great bit of, uh, you know, PR and publicity, right? I mean, they are essentially saying, look, we do care about the environment and we are basically forging ahead with something which is not only financially sound for our shareholders, for our, um, you know, for, for ourselves as a company, but by the way, isn't this great? It's also going to be great for environmental reasons as well. So there you have it. That's Volvo. And uh, obviously keep an eye on them because they are really doing some pretty special things going forward. Not to mention, since this is first and foremost a discussion on autonomous cars, let's sort of loop this full circle because let's not forget, one of the things that really, uh, the, one of the other things that caught headlines with Volvo as recently as um, I should say as far back as 2015 when they rolled out the first XC90 was they had the Volvo, uh, I believe it's called Drive Pilot, which was one of the first um, somewhat usable semi-autonomous systems on the road up to, uh, you know, up to sort of traffic jam speeds. So what, 30 miles an hour, give or take, uh, 50 kilometers an hour, I think it was. Um, it would actually do a pretty good job of sort of just you know, navigating you through traffic jams. Uh, so you'd be sitting in a traffic jam, uh, hands off the steering wheel, feet off the gas and brakes, and the Volvo would just sort of inch along following the cars ahead of it. Subsequent upgrades to the system have allowed the car to do similar things at freeway speeds where it kind of does a sort of super enhanced lane keep assist where unfortunately though it kind of just ends up ping-ponging uh, back and forth between the lanes. Um, I don't know how well later, you know, the most recent revisions to the system operate. Um, I can imagine it's somewhat similar to systems in, for instance, the Mercedes GLC uh, class of cars. Those don't do any ping pong, and they do a rather good job, actually. So um, anyway, it's just one sort of first step on the way to full autonomy. Um, I think we're sort of kind of halfway between level two and level three autonomy at this point. And um, as we all know, Volvo are really, really pushing forward to do this. In fact, it's Volvo's XC90, which uh, has been selected for use by Uber uh, for their uh, self-driving car fleet. So very exciting things indeed. And, um, you know, very excited to see where Volvo is going to go with all this. So there you have it on this uh, very, very, very windy, cold, uh, rainy, San Francisco morning. Uh, wishing all of you a wonderful day ahead. And uh, as usual, please do let me know uh, in some messages, uh, you know, what you think so far. You know, we are now three episodes into this show. Obviously, I've never done this before, so I'm just trying to learn and uh, 
get a sense for what you guys all like. Um, so any input you can provide, you know, do you like sort of how the format is? Do you prefer a different format? If so, let me know. Uh, how's the audio quality? Am I speaking too quickly, too slowly, et cetera, et cetera. So do let me know. And uh, till next time, have a swell rest of the day and talk to you later. Bye-bye.